Another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast coming at you on this Friday. It is November 13th, Friday the 13th. Lucky day for some, unlucky for others. My whole life has been lucky some days, unlucky other days. Anyway, big big game Saturday. Big, big game. Big news now. Big news. The weather's not going to be great. And based on that, if you're a Purdue fan, it doesn't make you feel good, regardless of who plays in the game. Because, for whatever reason, and I, no one can explain it, Boilermakers don't seem to play well in inclement weather under the Brom era right now. You know, you go back to last year's Illinois game, and then there was the uh, the game in 2018 up in uh, Minnesota where it was just downright bone-chilling cold and Purdue did not perform, didn't act like they wanted to be there. Now, where do you, you know, how do you account for all that? I have no idea. But um, it does give one pause as far as evaluating produced chances tomorrow is the weather. I mean, it's going to be rainy. Maybe not like it was against Illinois last year, but it'll be windy. It'll be rainy. Um, it won't be pleasant, but, you know, we're in the middle of November. This is what happens in Indiana. So it's just something to kind of throw out there to 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 say, hey, can, uh, can Purdue uh, overcome some of the problems it's had in, in bad weather before? Is it all based on the, the passing offense? Is it based on other things? Uh, who, who knows? Sometimes it's just, <laughs> you know what, the other team's better, regardless of the conditions. And you just have to you just have to deal with it. And uh, I, I think the the game up in Minnesota, uh, I think, was an example of that where Minnesota just was more physical, and Purdue, whatever reason, got punched in the mouth and didn't respond. And Minnesota took control of that game, and boom, it was over. You know, they're similar to the to the rain game uh, last year against Illinois, where you know Illinois just kind of come out and. Ran the ball down the throat, and Purdue didn't really have an answer. Now, you know, Purdue was down several players from an injury standpoint um, last year, and but still, uh, it just may not matter tomorrow. May not be a factor at all, but it's a trend you don't want to see um, if you're a Purdue fan. And you know, but that's that's what what's going to happen. You know, maybe the early start time will help avoid. Maybe some of the the wet weather, but you know, I think of uh, I think most of the game probably will be played uh, with some showers uh, and the wind. Wind's not going to go away, uh, so that's you know, it's just something to watch for 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 Saturday. It, it's it it is a big game. I mean, we're in a we're in the shortened season where you know this is the halfway point of the of the eight game regular season. Purdue's only played twice. Northwestern's played three times. Both teams undefeated. I mean, you know all the storyline. You know, you know everything there. Uh, but this is a, a, a huge game. The winner gets control of the West, at least from a record standpoint, at, at the halfway point, um, and you know, kind of can dictate you know what happens after that. Where 
you know, the losers, you know, going to be climbing uphill. And, and from Purdue's standpoint, you know, this is a, this is really a two week defining stretch for them because they need to, you know, they beat, need to beat Northwestern and Minnesota, two teams that they've uh, struggled with uh, the last few years uh, to really have a chance to win, to win the West. Cause you, you know, you think as you get through, these two games, and you look at Rutgers, which is not a pushover. We'd rather be playing Rutgers in Ohio State, Michigan. I don't care what Michigan's record is or what they're doing right now. Uh, you'd much rather play Rutgers, and then you got Nebraska, which is you know struggling, but I think an improved team. And then you got Indiana at the end. But if you can get through these two games, you set yourself up pretty in a pretty good spot to. To, to stay in that conversation all the way to the end and, and, and potentially win win the West Division. You can probably get there with a split, but you can't get there losing two. And that's what they have to avoid uh, if, if you want to stay in that conversation longer. And there's other moving parts to this whole thing as far as how many games are going to be played. You know, is Wisconsin going to get another game canceled? Um, there are just so many, so many things that are going on that um, – it, you can't make any, you know, definite statements right now. But this is a this is a big game. This is a huge game, uh, and it will have an effect on who wins the West. Um, Northwestern might be in the best position of any team in the West uh, right now because they are three and zero, and they get Purdue and they get Wisconsin coming up here. Um, you know, they start to play Minnesota, um, and you know they've got some they've got some other games coming up that they have to they have to manage, but. Um, you know, Saturday's going to go a long way to determining who's going to stay in that conversation longer. Uh, I, I feel like, for Purdue standpoint, it probably needs to beat Northwestern, and it could handle a loss to Minnesota and still stay in contention because um, you know when you're factoring in you know tiebreakers and you know the the potential of an unbalanced schedule, you have Minnesota already with two losses. Um, they would have to basic almost win out, but also need some help to get back in the conversation of winning the West. Um, and if, you know, Minnesota somehow, uh, or if Iowa can beat Minnesota, then, uh, you, you basically knock Minnesota out with three losses and Purdue has a tiebreaker with Iowa. So again, yeah, we can go through all these things all we want, and I'm sure you have, trying to figure things out. But bottom line is Purdue needs to win, and it, it'll have to do it, you know, again, with, without some of its uh, probably better players. You know, I, I don't um, – you know, I, I'm not anticipating uh, Rondell Moore playing on Saturday, um, although I know there's been movement in that direction. Uh, but I, I don't – you know, I don't anticipate that happening. Uh, coming up uh, it, it, for the five o'clock kickoff, uh, you know King Daru, uh, Purdue's other running back, probably is still more of a question mark than a than a probable at this point. Um, but you know Xander Horvath has held up well, and the offensive line has done well. So you, you know, I think you feel good about where they're at. But you know at some point you're going to need another running back. I just don't. It'd be, uh, I think it'd be really hard to get through once you get through a football season, an eight-game football season or a nine-game football season, whatever it is, with just one running back carrying the ball. And I guess if there's one guy that can do it, it'd be Horvath. 
Um, you know, the other question marks uh, from an injury standpoint uh, would be George Karloftis. Um, you know, I think I think we might see George uh, maybe in a limited role uh, come come Saturday. Um, you know, I think he's going to dress. You know, I think he'll be out there, but I, he's not. I I I would doubt. I'd be surprised if he played every down. They may they may look for him to uh, look for him to play in just certain situations, maybe some some passing situations where they where they feel like the the ball is going to go up in the air and maybe get a pass rush. I I, I think Purdue probably is in a better position this year uh, to overcome a loss of Karloftis. Now they don't have anybody like Karloftis on the roster, um, and they do need him, in my opinion, to. To, to really win the West. I think he's an extremely important piece for that defense to win the West. But, I, you know, the one guy that probably we haven't talked a lot about or written a lot about and a guy that, you know, I think is starting to to get the feel of things is DeMarcus Mitchell, the junior college transfer. I, mean, I think he can play with his hand in the ground and give you some production off the edge. Uh, if you know if that means you got to play more four three as opposed to three four, uh, then I you know then I think you do it. Um, you know Mitchell seems to have that burst. Um, he's he's definitely an aggressive player. Uh, he's a guy that wants to get in there and make plays. I think we saw that against Illinois. I think he led the team in tackles. Um, you know him and Derek Barnes were I think one and two. But just kind of the way he played and the way you know I, I think he may have one sack. Uh, but just just kind of the way he played um, gives you the impression that he could fill part of that void. Um, and I'd be more inclined to use him in situations as opposed to, you know, though Jack Sullivan will probably get uh, a bulk of the playing time there. But I would, you know, again, if I'm, if I'm coaching over there, which I'm not, uh, and I don't get to see practice, so this is kind of a, a wild a wild guess, but I would I would try to involve Demarcus Mitchell as much as possible uh, at the defensive end spot. And I, and I don't think you rob um, your linebacker core, especially if you if Tyler Coyle is going to play on Saturday. And that's the other uh, interesting piece of news that would have come out of the week um, on Thursday that Jeff Prom said that uh, Tyler Coyle would see the field. Now, where does he see the field at? He, he, we do know that he's been working at safety. We do know that he's working at linebacker, kind of the outside linebacker spot, the one that Jalen Graham has been playing. But can you move him to a linebacker uh, spot, you know, and shift uh, Mitchell down on the line a little bit more to give you a little bit more uh, uh, versatility, um, on the defensive line, you know, without sacrificing a whole lot at the linebacker spot or, or even the safety position. And, you know, the other question is we don't, we don't know exactly what was wrong with, uh, coil. Why was he out? Um, you know, Jeff Brom did, did mention that he'd been rehabbing well. So that tells you, uh, it was an injury of some sort, but you know, we don't know the details of, of, uh, exactly, you know, what was injured and, you know how how many snaps he can actually play, um, but when you combine him maybe with Graham, and I, I think Graham has been pretty active uh, the first couple games, getting involved in plays, 
Now he's had some bonehead penalties after you know a fumble return or an interception return. He's really put Purdue in a bad spot with uh, you know, there was a block below the waist that uh, on a, I think Cam Allen's interception return at Illinois and uh, he got an unsportsmanlike penalty. So he, he again he's active. He's he's doing some things, but then he's he's doing some he's doing some stupid things that can cost can cost you a game. So between all those players, somehow they got to figure out a way to get a pass rush or make life uncomfortable for for Peyton Ramsey. And to me, that's he he's the difference in Northwestern compared to this year to last year. It's just it's pretty clear. It's pretty simple. They have a quarterback. You know, last year they didn't they didn't have good quarterback play. Their offense was not very good. Um, they you know they ran the ball okay. But they really struggled to score. They really struggled to to put up some big plays. And you know Ramsey's numbers are okay when you look at him. But just I think his presence here's a guy that knows Big Ten defenses. You know he played at IU. He's played against Purdue a couple times. But here's a guy that knows those his way around the Big Ten. He knows what's coming. Uh, you, you put an experienced guy back there, and you know that just kind of changes your whole outlook of what what you can do. And I think he will probably end up being the difference, uh, in the game, uh, if Northwestern, uh, is able to win, um, just because of his experience and his demeanor in the pocket. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be worth a lot. And especially if you have bad weather and being smart with the football, not turning it over, uh, and things like that. Um, but Purdue's got to figure out a way to get some pressure on him, get him, Uncomfortable, but not to the point where he's hurting you with his legs, which he did uh, in the old Oak and Bucket game last year. If you remember, he was able to get out of the pocket, pick up some some key yards uh, with his legs, keep drives alive, and you know eventually IU won that game. So you know Purdue's got to be careful with that, uh, not flushing him out too much, where he becomes a danger, where he's going to hurt you. But you know you need to keep him in line and get some quick pressure on him, make him make some um, decisions he doesn't want to make and things like that. But I think that's going to be hard just because the guy, the guy knows, I mean, he just has that experience and that's going to be a tough one to crack for Purdue, I think. Uh, And especially if they get their running game going, which, you know, they're always very good on the offensive line. Um, You know, if they can crank out some yardage on the ground, that's just going to allow them to settle into the game and kind of dictate things. And that's where Purdue has had problems with Northwestern over the years is just being able to line up physically with their offensive and defensive lines and being able to win those battles. Now, you know, last year they were able to to win enough of those and make enough plays in the passing game and make enough stops on defense to to get themselves in a position to, to win the game on a, a J.D. Dellinger field goal. Uh, and if you remember, that was Aiden O'Connell's Connell's first start as as quarterback at Purdue after leading the game-winning drive against Nebraska and you know he was going back close to his hometown and kind of a fairy tale story ended up you know getting Purdue in position to kick that game-winning field goal but O'Connell's back you know I think you know he was pretty spot on against Illinois from a uh, receiver standpoint or from getting the ball to receivers didn't miss many passes um so, you know, I think he's in a good groove. Of course, you have David Bell, and that's that's going to be a, a huge thing. But one other thing about Purdue facing Peyton Ramsey 
you know, if you look at the first two games Purdue has played, they played Iowa, which started a first-year quarterback, guy making his first start. And then against Illinois, they ended up facing most of the game a four-string quarterback, a guy that really hadn't run a lot of the plays that he was running out there a couple weeks ago. Now you get an experienced quarterback, and I that's got to be an advantage to Northwestern, just does. Just has to be an advantage to Northwestern. You know, I think Purdue's defense has played um, has played better this year. Now, you, you know, you're up 21 against Illinois and you let some things slip away. Uh, you know, I think the offense should shoulder some of the blame of what happened at Illinois because they were not able to get out there and sustain any drives after he, they got up 21. So it's a it's a shared responsibility. Um, and also the defense was didn't have Karloftis in that second half when you're trying to get some pressure uh, in the backfield. So a combination of things uh, played a role in that. But I think overall the defense has played um, okay. I mean, it, it hasn't been an eyesore. Um, you're going to give up some big plays every now and then. Uh, you're going to miss some tackles every now and then just because that's the way it works. But um, – but now they're going to face an experienced quarterback that knows what he's doing as opposed to the first two weeks where, you know, the Iowa guys in his first game, first start, even though there's no fans there, it's got to be jumpy. It's got to be a little nervous. Um, and then, you know, the, the four stringer guy from, from Illinois, he just, he's just, he's just running around trying to make a play. He's just trying to figure out what the plays are. And he couldn't have repped any of those plays, uh, or at least I know he didn't rep all of them, but he repped a very small percentage of them going into that game because uh, four-string quarterbacks just don't get that kind of work uh, during the week. But now Purdue's going to face a more veteran quarterback. And, again, if he gets a running game to lean on, uh, and then, uh, you know, I think Northwestern's got a, you know, got a good chance to, to pull away in this thing if they can possess the ball and Purdue has trouble getting off the field on third down. Um and, and things like that kind of unravel. But, again, I think Purdue's defense has done well in the first two games, but I think they really need to step it up a notch. And it's going to be a little bit more difficult with, you know, again, I don't I don't think George is going to play every down, but I think he'll be out there some. But you need some production. You need some guys to make some plays. And so one thing Purdue's defense has done here in the first two games is create some turnovers. Uh, they've been able to, to cause some fumbles. Uh, you know, they got a fumble return for a touchdown against Illinois. They've, you know, they've got an interception. Uh, so they, they've, they've created some takeaways. And, you know, that's that's something that they probably need, you know, doesn't probably, they need to continue that, I think, to win this game. They need they need some, uh, some of those things to happen their way, put their offense in a good position to score. And then, obviously, the offense has to has to go out and, and do that. So um, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting game. Um, I think Northwestern, you know, when we started the week, Purdue was a two-point favorite. That quickly flipped to uh, Northwestern becoming a three-point favorite. And I think today I saw where Northwestern's hovering around two-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. So there was a quick line adjustment, quick fix to the to the game where the betters thought the wrong team was favored in Purdue, and they've, they've gone with Northwestern. Uh, and that's, it's, it stayed in the two and a half to three point range most of the week. And that's probably where it'll probably settle, uh, as we get uh, closer to game time. And remember kickoff is at five o'clock, not seven thirty. It's at five o'clock. Uh, they got moved up 
two and a half hours after the Ohio State Maryland game was canceled due to COVID concerns around Maryland. Uh, they also the Big Ten also shifted the Illinois Rutgers game to one o'clock, so there's not that big a gap between uh, the original noon game, which was Illinois Rutgers, and then Purdue at Northwestern at seven thirty. They don't have a they don't have a, a big three hour gap there that they have to fill and stuff. So they'll be able to to kind of flow in from one game to the next. And then I think ABC has the the Wisconsin Michigan game coming up uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, a lot riding on the line for this uh, on Saturday between Purdue and Northwestern. Uh, you know, Purdue can, uh, in my opinion, take a big step uh, in, in trying to win the West by winning this game and really, you know, establishing uh, what they've done in the first two games on both sides of the ball. You know, get a get a running game going with Horvath, have your offensive line play well, um, get a little bit of pressure on, on the quarterback, uh, you know, limit those big plays, uh, get some turnovers. And I, you know, I think Purdue, you know, that that's kind of their formula right now, what they, what they need to do and make sure special teams is not an eyesore. And we saw that against Illinois. Um, uh, curious how Brom now handles the punters. Uh, I think he was close to making a punting change, uh, against Illinois after Brooks, uh, Cormier, uh, had two bad punts in the fourth quarter, kind of put the defense in a bad position and allowed, uh, you know, Illinois to score. Uh, but does he alternate punters now? Does it depend on field position? Does it depend, you know, where, where the ball's at situation and all that. But yeah, special teams can't be a, can't be an eyesore. You can't, can't lose a game because of that, uh, coming up on Saturday. Also wanted to touch on basketball because, uh, as you know, by now earlier in the week, uh, Eric Hunter Jr. Uh, suffered a, a knee, a knee injury, uh, that's going to put him out, you know, anywhere from four, six, maybe eight weeks. Uh, I would I would lean more toward the maybe four to six type of uh, type of timeline. Uh, but anyway, it happened in a scrimmage uh, that you know a couple of uh, media people were able to attend and watch, and uh, that was very you know it was it was uh, it was it was really interesting to see uh, Purdue go after it from a scrimmage standpoint. But anyway, Hunter got hurt. He you know I think he was on track. Pretty clear to be their point guard to start the year, especially based on uh, Ethan Morton being out with mono. Uh, and now, you know, the question becomes, you know, Purdue's going to start its season, is scheduled, we should say, to start its season in a couple weeks uh, down in Florida against Liberty at the uh, um, the Cancun tournament that was moved to Florida. I think it's like the Space Coast Jam, or uh, they've renamed it. Uh, but anyway, Purdue's going to start in a couple weeks, and and, and now the question, okay, who, who's going to be who's going to be the point guard to to, to get things going uh, for for them? And I think Hunter was going to be that that guy to start off with, but you know they were going to rotate other other players in there. Isaiah Thompson, uh, Ethan Morton, I think the guy. I think w- when you look long term, that's probably the guy that that Painter would like to see out there uh, at some point. Um, that. Uh, it's a uh, you know, it, it, but it's 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 a it's a it's a it's an injury that's that's going to hurt Purdue for a little bit, and um, and to see how they have to overcome it, and they'll have to mix and match there a little bit uh, with uh, with Hunter being out, um, and you know I think his presence, you know obviously offensively, 
Uh, he's a guy that can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. But, you know, I think defensively it's, you know, who's going to pick up that slack defensively that uh, that that Eric brought to the table. And I think he did. You know, I think he brought a pretty good defensive presence. Um, he, you know, he kind of hounded, hounded guys out on the perimeter. Um, and who's going to make up for that? You know, that's something that – you know, I, I, you know, Isaiah Thompson is going to have to do. He's a little undersized, but I think he has the tenacity to to cause some problems out there. Uh, so yeah, basketball's got some got some early issues it has to work through um, before they they get they get going. I think Jade Nivey is a, a freshman who's not really you know I wouldn't consider him part of the point guard mix, but I think he probably gets involved in that in that role a little bit while while Hunter's out. Uh, just to, uh, I mean, cause he looked, he looked really good in the scrimmage and again, it's a scrimmage it's against your own team, but you know, even painter said afterwards that it was Ivy's best day in, in practice since they officially started practice. So, uh, it will be interesting to see how it plays out because you, you're going to, they're going to play a lot of games, I think in a short period of time, you know, if they get them in. You're going to play two games back-to-back in Florida. You can come back and play Oakland, I believe, on December 1st. Then you get Valpo on December 4th. You got the Big Ten ACC Challenge at, right after that. Then you got Indiana State. Uh, then the Crossroads. And, and then, you know, you're probably going to squeeze a Big Ten game in there or two. So they're going to play a lot of games in a short period of time. And I think that will allow them to um, – kind of work work some things out and create some depth there at the at the point guard spot and see who can do what so when hunter does come back you've got some more options there and and the the other part of this to me is you know as much as purdue wants to consider itself a, a a big 10 title contender they're probably not there this year the guy there's just better teams in the league right now that are older, more experienced, got more talent, or their talent is more proven. I mean, you can go to Iowa, you can go to Illinois, you can go to Michigan State, you go to Wisconsin. I mean, there's there's a handful of teams right now that that you would have to rank ahead of Purdue. Doesn't mean Purdue can't be in the mix of this thing if the Big Ten season is actually played. But um, but this gives them some time to kind of sort some things out, see how they how, how they play without Hunter, and then when he comes back, working him back in. Getting a little, a few more options there, you know. I think this can be a really deep team uh, for Purdue. I think you you'll see a lot of guys play. Um, you know, the big guy Zach uh, uh, Zach Eady, he's kid seven four, almost three hundred pounds, but he moves really well. He just does, and he moves. He's more fluid than Isaac Haas was at probably at that stage. And I, I didn't get a chance to to be around the the basketball program you know, when Isaac was, was coming in, but, you know, based on watching games and stuff like that, it is, you know, Zach's a little bit more fluid. I think he's, I think he's going to help him. Um, he's going to get called for fouls because he's seven, four and the referees are going to think there's no way that, uh, Zach didn't touch the guy because, you know, for whatever reason, he's just going to get called for fouls. Just like Isaac did. Isaac got called for fouls. He didn't commit, but he was close by and he was big. But, you know, I think these freshmen, you know, once Morton gets back recovered from mono, I think uh, um, I think these freshmen are really going to help. I think you're going to have see a lot of guys play. Uh, Painter's going to have some more options uh, for guys, you know, especially when guys have off nights. 
and uh, um, it, it will be an interesting season from a lot of different angles, but if they can actually play a full season, it'll be just kind of interesting to see how it plays out, who gets who gets the playing time, who, who who's the guys that emerge, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, just wanted to drop a few basketball thoughts uh, down on the, on the podcast for today. All right, well, that, uh, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Borders Extra Podcast. Again, we're doing this on Friday and uh, produce football game with Northwestern tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, we'll be back after the game with a post-game edition uh, to kind of wrap it up and uh, share the thoughts and see what the standings look like after that and uh, who did what and why and all those kind of things. Uh, obviously, if you have questions, concerns, comments, uh, reach out, happy to, happy to listen, happy to relay messages. If you want to, uh, like, uh, you know, do an engagement party on the podcast, we can do that. We can, we can pass along a message if you like, if you like main thing you want, you know, we'd like to try to get a sponsor if we could just not begging, just asking. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll recap uh, Purdue game after Saturday, uh, night, uh, after Purdue and the Wildcats face off at Ross Aid Stadium. Thanks for stopping by and have a good day.